0: The podcast starts.
1: Hello, dear listener, and welcome to the podcast on which we like to talk about horror. Sometimes we do talk about other things, and sometimes we swear. I am joined by an absolute panoply of a panel today, the full complement of regular hosts on this show, and we'll be talking together about Midnight Mass. My first co host is the marvelous film lecturer, Kirsty Warrow. Hello, Kirsty.
2: Hello. <laughs> hi, Dan. Hi, everyone.
1: <laughs> hi. And, hi. listener, you just heard a hi there from um, the another wonderful <laughs> film lecturer, Stella again, a doctor, Stella again. Hello, Stella. Hello. And the final of our foursome is the marvelous writer and critic, Ian Winston. Hello, Ian. Hello. How are you doing? Penelope. Penel- Penel- I can't even say. Well
3: done. Penelope Penel- <laughs> P- Pitstop of.
2: <laughs> I, I can't say it. Are we panelists now? Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> um it, if this was I a convention, a I think panels. they'd call us a panel. So, um, well, no, uh,
2: well, you
3: did
1: that on your first first take.
4: I know line, I, I called you? it so
1: absolute panoply of a panel, yeah. um <laughs> completely extemporized. <laughs> so, uh, listener, ages and ages ago, uh, for us, but probably also for you because we've not recorded for a while. Um, we promised an episode about the marvellous 2021 Netflix series, Midnight Mass, by Mike Flanagan. And that is what we are finally going to be talking about. We, it was supposed to come out weeks and weeks ago, and we said it's next week, and it wasn't. Then Easter came round, and I thought, oh, we could do an Easter episode about Midnight Mass, because it is set at Easter. But that didn't happen. Now we're recording it. And who knows when you'll be hearing this and, 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 you know, and if some kind of cataclysm has happened. Hopefully it won't be one which destroys podcasts. Everything else will go, but podcasts will still be all right and you can hear this. Quite a specific scenario.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. It is. It is, but this, I was scrolling back through our messages and this is our fifth attempt at trying yeah. to do Midnight wow. Mass. okay. So, yeah. you know... And everybody's actually. <laughs> it's over.
4: So. I, let, I wasn't let's... involved in any of the previous attempts, so
2: you
3: know. You're obviously the lucky charm, Kirsty.
2: Obviously, you've broken the curse. Yes, you, you have yeah. broken
1: yeah. the curse. Well yes. done. <laughs> Thanks, yes, Kirsty. You're the fairy dust. <laughs> Fantastic. You've not got so. To um, <laughs> shall yes. we? Shall we get on and talk about Midnight mask Because I'm sure we'll have lots to say because it's it's a longer I and complex. Even type it. I kept
3: typing Midnight Ass. I don't know. <laughs> oh, is a um, porn version? It, it
1: if if there is now. It's coming. <laughs> hey. So, uh, a, a thoroughly Catholic porn movie. That will be interesting to say the least. Well, that's why it's called Midnight Ass, obviously.
2: Midnight Ass, yeah, that's the uh, the old uh, Catholic loophole, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my
1: God. <laughs> One up the bottom. No handle. <laughs> Oh dear! Oh, God. I've never had that before. You're, the, that you're, that only, you're the only, you're the only Catholic true.
3: monsters as
1: well. Yeah,
3: they...
2: <laughs> I, well, I I was brought oh, up Catholic, well, but I um yeah. uh, turned to Satanism fairly
1: quickly. <laughs> Bless you. Um, well, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> well, in that conversation, I, I don't know what that means. I'm sure we'll have. <laughs> well, yeah, but in, in the context of that of that, uh, that remark, my um, my right. habitual <laughs> refrain of bless you makes even less sense than usual. But.
4: Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, so and everybody, we're going to be talking about Midnight Mass now. It's a series which is going to be very... We, well, we're going to spoil from the start. So, dear listener, if you haven't seen this show, go watch it. Um, I'll give you a little of, of of the basic setup, but you don't really want to know anything else before going in. It's a series that, for me anyway, a, a great deal of its delight was in not knowing where it is going. And if you do choose to listen to this podcast before seeing the show, you're going to have loads of things ruined. Um, But I think I can confidently say it's a thorough recommendation for all four of us that you just go and and watch this show. Yeah, it's on Netflix right now, um, and it's and it's completely standalone as well. As it is not, I don't think there is any possibility of a second series of Midnight Mass. So it's. It's a finite narrative, um, which, again, was delightful to me. So, you know, do go check it out. Um, but um, in case the listener has, um, well, hopefully seen the show but not seen it in a while, let's just summarise the premise of the show. So in Midnight Mass, which is an original series written by Mike Flanagan, I think he wrote all of it. He certainly devised the storyline and he directs every episode, doesn't he? It's a modern day American setting. It takes place on a small island called Crockett Island, uh, which is a fishing town, essentially. Um, And it's a town um, which has grown sparse in population, um, as the fishing industry in, in that area has declined, I think there's some dialogue references to these. There, used to be a, there was an oil spill a few years ago, which kind of wrecked everything. Mm. So it's a very kind of quiet, spooky little island. And the introduction character is a character called Riley, played by Zach Guilford. He is from the island. He was born and brought up there. Um, then he moved away to the mainland and he was found uh, guilty of death by uh, drunk driving in a, a horrifying incident which opens the series. And then he goes to prison for four years. On, re- on release from prison, he returns to Crockett Island to uh, to go back to his family. Um, and at the same time as he does that, uh, the island's population, which is heavily Catholic um is uh mm-hmm. kind of shaken by the, the um the fact that their priest um who has been the priest there for a very long time has fallen ill and is replaced by a new priest played by the actor hamish link um and this kind of affect everyone as i say it's a small community um and, and it's and the, and the interlockings between all the individuals are quite complex.
0: I walked across an empty land I knew the pathway like the back of my hand
1: Welcome home, honey. Where you belong.
0: Is this the place we used to love? Is this the place that I've been dreaming of? I know you struggled with
2: what happened. With what I did. Yes, we liked it. But help is here. A thing.
0: Where have you gone? Good morning. I know I'm not who you expected to see... Just know, I'm only here to help, and I look forward to meeting you all. So tell me when you're gonna let me in. I'm a pretty rational guy. Something's happening here. You're gonna let me
3: in.
4: We are living in a miraculous time. You're
2: gonna let me in. a little crazy between friends, right? Hey!
4: with us
1: for what comes next i think it's a really character-based show and um it feels really this this feels like a real place and a real community um, would anybody like to mention any other characters that they feel are central to it? Because although I say it's a sparsely populated island, it's quite a big cast of characters. And a great deal of mm. the first couple of episodes at least is just getting to know these characters, which is one of the wonderful things about it.
3: I mean there was so I think one of the great things about it is all the characters are really well drawn and really well mm. likable is a horrible word for it screenwriting but they're all compelling to watch like bev keen is a brilliant character
0: yeah really not very
3: likable, but <laughs> yes. um she's
1: a brilliant character um well, she she's kind of hateable but at the same time yeah, very yeah. watchable <laughs> that, that actress by the way samantha sloyan is um uh, the daughter of an actor called james sloyan who all, always used to turn up in the 80s and 90s playing slightly creepy characters in yeah. the X Files and, and the various Star Trek's and things, and he's obviously passed his talent on. Um, what a creepy family, <laughs> she, she is yeah. fantastic in this show, yeah. Um, absolutely, she's but,
3: but, weird, but, yeah, but weird, weirdly, she doesn't jump out as yeah. well. She is great, but she's she's the most we'll talk about the Stephen King thing, but she's a sort of classic Stephen King character. Yeah um, she's
1: archetypal isn't she because she's very she's strong in her faith all and she, all she's the kind woman
3: of woman in the mist
1: yeah she's mrs that's carmody right.
3: yeah yeah that's right she, yeah
1: she's a kind of judgmental religious person yeah um so so look. i'd say i really
3: like joe colley just as a sort of quietly uh the drunk joe colley oh yeah yeah just as yeah. a quietly brilliant uh acting turn and character
1: um mm.
3: and the sheriff is great
1: yeah, he is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody is fantastic, but he mm. is really great. He's particularly
2: Raul good. Coley. I do have a soft spot for. Uh, yeah. Raul. <laughs> right. <laughs> you yeah. well, can, can blame me. Um, yeah. yeah.
3: Well, in, in similar terms, Evan Green, uh, played, by, mm. played by by Mick Flanagan's, uh, Mike Flanagan's wife, Kate Siegel. She's oh, yes. She's, I've got a soft spot for her. <laughs>
1: I should say this is she's the right. third Mike Flanagan mm-hmm. joint we've done on the podcast, isn't it, after The Haunting of Hill yeah. House and then uh, Doctor Sleep. And um, his favourite actors are kind of apparent. Obviously, Kate, Kate Siegel yeah. is, you know, not just his favourite actor, but, you know, his favourite favorite person. Um, <laughs> um, and she's in The Haunting of Hill House. Then you've got Alex Esso, who's in Doctor Sleep. And Henry Thomas, who's in all three cool. things, he plays uh, Riley's father.
3: Yeah. yeah. We were just saying off mic how I managed to get through. It wasn't until the rewatch that I realised it was earlier from E.T. again. And even though <laughs> I knew he was in my Pelican films, I still managed to be fooled because his performance. He just disappears into his characters.
4: Absolutely yeah. brilliant.
3: So I didn't realise yeah. you were in um, Bly Manor. Um, that it was him either. Maybe. Um, really? No. <laughs> no.
4: <laughs> yeah, Did so I kind of have the opposite response to him is is that I'm just so aware that it's him. In fact, the only time in a Mike Flanagan joint that I kind of went, oh, that's interesting, it's him, Was when he was um, uh, in Dot Sleep. When he was playing, when he was playing probably...
1: Jack Nicholson. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. yeah. That was, uh, that for a moment, I kind of lost him and just saw Jack Nicholson. Um, mm. But I think in I didn't find him that compelling in Blind manner because you know was well, he
1: doing an English and, accent in that I still haven't seen oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> right, okay. Um, yeah. Not. Not. Know,
4: not. not brilliant, yeah.
1: Um,
4: but yeah. But yeah, I liked him in this though. I liked him. A lot. I liked him in um, Hill House a lot, and I liked him here as well. It's nice, sort of, particularly because of obviously the whole Elliot E.T. thing, sort of seeing him really, you know, kind of. Commit sort of more fatherly, kind of mature, older roles. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. I've got
3: face blindness, but just for Henry Thomas.
4: Maybe you some... have maybe <laughs>
3: <laughs> so so spectacularly, and every every single time, like I didn't realise till ages till somebody told me that he was in Hill House. Yeah, uh, it's, it's always unexpected. <laughs> but it, oh yeah, unless I'm mad. But is, isn't he particularly sort of? Brilliantly disappeared into his character in this as as, as Riley's dad.
4: Oh, did,
3: well. I... You just go, oh, that's Elliot off ET. Yeah, no, well,
4: that's, that's why I, I did the same with <laughs> Kill House. It's just, oh, that's Henry Thomas, but, you know. Yeah.
0: Oh, well. Anyway, <laughs> that's nah.
4: okay. You clearly have blindness, blindness around Hen, uh, Henry Thomas, and that's okay. Yeah.
1: So. I mean, as someone who didn't see ET for the first time until last year, it's just what? not burned on my consciousness I've I've just avoided it my whole life probably because when I was very young they had um, the uh, Marks and Spencer picture book of E.T. in my school library and I read (laughs) it and didn't particularly love it so I've just never thought oh, what's that story that I already know I don't like So, um,
3: I hope you you realise that you've been missing out all these years
2: yeah Ah! <laughs> <Not> really? <laughs> That's the sad.
3: Um, we mustn't get right. We're going to beat you up about that later. Yeah, it's,
2: it's, yeah. Yeah. So it's a
3: good job
4: run. that we're not all in the same space, Dan. As well.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, clearly, it, you can hold
4: it down. I'll just pummel you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but the where I was going with that was that you know I see Henry Thomas and and I like his presence. So I don't instantly think Elliot from. I actually. I'm more likely to think young Norman Bates because he played okay. young Norman in Psycho 4. Uh, um, and obviously, when most people have, you know, in recent years think young Norman Bates, they probably think Freddie Highmore. But I never saw yeah. that show. So it's always Henry Thomas to me. And he's very good in that. I've, ne- I've never seen him not be great.
3: I might have seen E.T., but I've never seen Psycho 4. Well, well there we
2: <laughs> go, Ian. That's-
1: that's okay. Yeah. equivalent. <laughs> um, okay. Um somebody else I think is worth mentioning, is obviously and also uh part of the Mike Flanagan rep company, is Annabeth Gish. Um she plays the Town Doctor in Midnight Mass. She, she's a fascinating oh, yeah. character. She's also in Hill House. Um and I've recently watched The West Wing, as I keep mentioning, on this podcast in which she's a semi-regular character and she's a really interesting screen presence. She was also, of course, uh, the lead in The X-Files for a bit after Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny left. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just got a fascinating face. Uh, I have just found myself really invested in all of these characters um, and I really enjoyed... Not knowing where it was going, and and thinking, is this going to devolve into into horror schlock at some point? Um, and it, it never really does. Um, but the main character that we've we've not really mentioned, um, who kind of is the first point of intrigue in the story, really, is the priest played by yeah. Hamish Linklater. Mm. Who is yeah. uh, Father Paul? Um, and he, I, I don't know about you guys. I never. I don't know Hamish Linklater's work at all. I believe that he's a sitcom actor. Kirsty, no, you
4: look. I've like... Never heard of him previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, so I, I was familiar with him from um, he was in um, uh, Legion, um, oh, okay, which is you know kind of X Men mm. type thing, and he was mm. amazing in that. Um, So, you know, kind of um, very different character because it's a very different show. But um, I think in the first episode, when I was like, oh, it's that guy. And then, you know, kind of I think for me, whilst Legion is spectacular and it's, you know, kind of really broad and, and, you know, bonkers. um, It's about so much other, you know, more than just, you know, kind of his character um, who's, you know, supporting rather than kind of a lead. So it's lovely just to sort of see him and this sort of quiet control that he has that, you know, he does very little, I think, actually. At least the performance seems really restrained and that's and it ends up sort of speaking volumes. And you can absolutely sort of see, Mm -hmm. I think, that, you know, the kind of way that the town would be or the community would be sort of seduced by his, his, you know, calm quiet you know kind of way of engaging with them rather than being kind of evangelical and bastic he's you know he seems like a very kind presence
1: yeah i mean i feel it's an easy comment to make and i've already kind of said it about other characters but the the kind of realism of him he really felt like an earnest religious Mm. figure moving into a new mm. community and kind of trying to reach out to people who don't yeah. know him and trying to build a relationship with them and, and and it just made me feel like I was there really even though all the characters have got the attachment of the previous priest which I didn't have as a viewer because you don't see yeah. him except in flashbacks later um, you know that that kind of um, the the tangibility of that tentative reaching out was really compelling i thought and and he just does a beautiful job and not having any knowledge of the actor before i just kind of felt like more than anyone he just felt like oh that's it's like they've got a real priest to just walk in there yeah um you know i he's incredible um and you know we're in spoilers now so obviously um Mm -hmm. uh Last chance, the listeners. Don't I don't think we spoiled anything major, but we're going to now. Um, obviously, as the show goes along, we discover he's not the new priest; he's the old priest mm-hmm. regenerated, um, and uh, that is just fascinating. The way that um, it kind of recontextualizes everything that we've seen. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, there's that wonderful scene where he's. Um, looking at Annabeth Gish's character, um, um, who is, uh, Dr. Sarah Gunning, who's gay, and he's just kind of gazing at her, and she thinks he's, he, he's kind of doing the priest thing of, uh, uh, you know, trying to work out how do I connect with this sort of, um, you know, I guess, atheistic sort of sexual deviant person or whatever, but actually we found out later on, um, that that's not at all why he, he obviously knows her oh, uh, uh, because she's his daughter um, and yeah. um, he's kind of looking at her through new eyes um, and the, yeah. the, these kind of, the way it layers in these, I, I could describe them as plot twists but they're so gradual that to call them twists mm. he, is not really accurate they're, they're more like very gentle mm. curves as you gradually you gently yeah. learn more and more things um, yeah
2: at no point is there i don't think anyway any like <gasps> moment it's more like oh yeah <laughs> all the way through so, ah right it's that it's that and uh, i think the the biggest <gasps> moment is when I'm not sure which episode it is I've not noted it down but there's the slow pan into the newspaper article on the mm-hmm. wall in Father Paul's oh, little yeah. Yeah. priest hut thing wherever mm-hmm. he lives and you, we can see that it's him mm-hmm. and that's I think that's the only one that really makes you go oh everything else is just this very slow yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: really beautifully paced yeah. reveal throughout the whole thing um, so the <laughs> speaking of the reveals and the pacing of it so you said that like the first couple of episodes we are just getting to know people and i think we are generally but for me my favorite episode is episode six which is titled the new covenant so i'm jumping Mm -hmm. ahead a little bit but just (laughs) just because i'm too excited to talk about it you all know that I'm obsessed with cults, particularly right. death cults. And any people who might want to get together and commit a ritual, mass suicide <laughs> or mass murder, let's call it yeah. what it is. And when in that episode, they all come together. They're all going to poison themselves so they can all be rejuvenated. And it's just like Jonestown. Yeah. Um, it's just like Jim Jones standing there saying, take the poison. You know, um, th- there's a couple of lines that Father Father Paul says that are almost... Word perfect from the death tape from Jonestown, okay. saying things like die with dignity don't let your children suffer, stuff like that, all the things that Joan said, so now I was watching that episode, one of those episodes, all those bits in films or whatever where you're at home, and you are watching it alone because your husband has no interest in these <laughs> things. And I'm just standing there, and I was stood up in my in my living room throw off the blanket that I always have on the sofa and I stood up going it's Jonestown <laughs> it's Jonestown they're doing Jonestown and I was ridiculously horribly excited wow. for something on TV or Netflix it's TV isn't it or, or who cares and <laughs> um, to sort of tackle this I mean you said Father Paul's not evangelical but Beverly yeah, yeah. certainly yeah. is and she, she twists it mm. so she twists his words so yeah. much and it Everybody else or a good portion of the community inside that church that evening, they turn evangelical and they turn to this blind faith of you're going to commit suicide and it's going to be yeah. fine. But of course, the difference is the example that he gives. Um, who's who's the guy who does the example? I can't remember. Um, one one of them guys drinks the poison and, and he survives and, and, he, and he rejuvenates. And everybody rushes forward, you know, to have a go and, and drink their drink, and th- then it all just escalates into some are rejuvenated and some then become yeah, food. Yeah, yeah. But I loved that episode yeah. so much it's
1: yeah, It's amazing. Um. And, well, I mean, um that but Flanagan, Flanagan,
3: you know, has talked about Jonestown in connection with this. It was always in their head. It was all going to go So I mean, part of the thing we should talk about is, 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 you know, Flanagan, how long Flanagan's had this idea how long he's mm. this brilliant interview on collider where he's just talking um and he just says he's had this idea for for, for like 20 odd years in his head mm. and he's pitched it twice as a tv show he's written it as a novel um and so it's always had jonestown in it and it's always opened mm. in exactly the same way with the with the fish on the back of the you know, the christian fish on the back of the car. Um, yeah, and also the fact that his biggest fear, because he was an alcoholic, his biggest fear was killing someone uh, when he was under the influence. Um, yeah. It all comes out of that fear, and it's a, the interview is brilliant because one of the things he talks about is how uh, he pitched it while he was still a drunk, and he's kind of glad he got it got rejected because actually he has a full understanding now because he's been sober for four years when he wrote it, three or four years when he finally got. The thing off Netflix, um, so it's like he, you know, so that all that so it's a very personal piece. So he is sort yeah. of Riley, and and so he'd always had this sort of had this story brewing in his head, and had tried to write it over and over again, but it, the beginning had never, the beginning had never changed, and the Jonestown bit had never changed. So they were the sort of two bits that were absolutely always there. It was always heading to Jonestown. Yeah. And it was always starting with you know, with a guy going to prison because he's a drug. The yeah. twelve steps. Um, and and faith. It's, it's I mean one of the things about that I love so much about Midnight Mass, even before you get to the amazing acting and all all the rest yeah. is just the structure, just the storytelling on a basic level. It's just masterful. Mm-hmm. In the in yeah. the it pulls off so many, I don't want to call them tricks because that's cheapening them, but it pulls off, just like mm. we don't really want to call them twists, do we? Because mm. that sounds a bit mm. cheap. But the storytelling is so good that it, it it's just a perfect example of how Riley is technically, in old-fashioned terms, he's, he's the protagonist. He's, mm. he's yeah. brilliant at how much it brings you into this ensemble. And, and you and you never go. Oh, what's happening? I'm following too many people. It just it's perfect. And then I mean, there's here's another big spoiler, but everyone stops listening now if they really haven't watched it. <laughs> it's
2: a free yeah, for all yeah. now. <laughs> but
3: when Riley burns himself in the in the oh, boat, yeah. that is just that. Again, is just as someone as a writer, the fact when I see people so masterful that they break the rules, and it makes it better, not worse. To kill the person that we went in <laughs> thinking, oh, this is this, yeah, and, and, and we didn't, we didn't yeah. like lose it for a second. We didn't go, what? Not even, you yeah. uh, know, yeah, we didn't think, oh, I'm not watching it now because
2: yeah, he's not, dead. But not that even, there was, uh, I don't know, just like this a
3: bit of a spoiler for No Country for Old Men, but there's that bit at the end of the second act of No Country for Old Men, which I remember people walking out of the cinema because they felt so shortchanged. Um, I watched that, um, even though again I'd say that was an example of how masterful people who know structure. But that really annoyed a lot of people. Whereas this, I don't mm-hmm. think did because he's so he's built this little mesh of characters around around the central character that sort of passing on the torch to, so to speak, um,
2: uh,
0: to <laughs>
3: nice. to, uh, uh, to uh, what's her name. Area, I mean, so, so, making it clear that it's it's up to her now, yeah. and yeah. also a big shock. Um, that, it's just it's absolutely brilliant.
1: It, it is, and it's also at the start of the thing. You know, you know um, Riley first, and you're following Riley. But by four episodes in, or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know so many of the characters in depth. Kind of removing one of them. Even the one who is ostensibly the lead at the start, you've mm-hmm. still got loads of other characters you're completely invested in, and it is mm-hmm. done uh, with, with incredible confidence. Um, it's just at the end to... of
3: episode five when Riley dies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you've got two episodes where the fight yeah, is about two. our protagonist, which is just brilliant.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. to, the end of that. To, so when Riley dies and it's and you know he's, he goes up in flames and he sees the girl that he he killed in yeah. his car as that episode comes to a close we've we've got Erin screaming yeah, obviously because yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's watching Riley on fire in front of <laughs> her and her screams go over the credits yeah, yeah. so on all the other episodes we get a hymn over the yeah. credits and that would point me to then, it's because the other thing that I've written down in capital letters and underlined is the sound design across the whole of the series. So Erin's screaming over the over the credits at the end. When we are doing the Jonestown bit in the, in the church, when the vampire things have kind of come back around and they're preying on everyone, there's a subtle heartbeat running through the yeah. sound. So in amongst all the screaming, you can just hear a heart thumping. Yeah. And it's just the constant use of the music, you know, Dan you know, with our Catholic upbringing, loads of the hymns I, I know, I remember them, and knew them, help, couldn't help but sing along. Um, just the, and ev- every single episode has got just some, a moment of beautiful, incredible sound layering and mm. sound mixing in it that, like I said, I said before, you know, my husband's not really bothered about any of this. I mean, he's not really a horror fan. But when I was watching Midnight Mass, I watched it over a couple of days, he kept sort of, because <laughs> I'll be watching TV, he'll be watching something on his laptop with his headphones on, and he kept taking his headphones off and listening to it and sort of then going back into whatever he was doing because he kept hearing something and being like, what is that? Yeah. You know, even as someone oh, who's yeah. not watching it and not listening to it, it kept cutting through uh-huh. whatever. That's the really it, so That's what he was watching. <laughs> uh, no, when it, but that's he has not. said from the bits that he sort of took his headphones off to go, well, what is this? And he wasn't looking at the screen. It's just what he could right. hear. He was like, oh yeah, I might actually watch that. That looks okay. But, but just the sound is stunning.
3: As you, as you know, my wife Kelly... Our Venn diagram does not overlap with uh her at all because she's too scared by it. But I said you've got to watch this, it's brilliant, it's about religion. Uh she and she's not that religious, but she did dabble with Catholicism and stuff, so she's always interested. And <laughs> she was terri- it was brilliant re watching it with her because she was terrified, but it never it never quite, you know, it never quite pushed her over the edge like it
2: was never too much.
3: Yeah, and it, and she absolutely loved it. Absolutely.
2: She
0: loved she it. Loved it. No, yeah. it was
3: ter- I'll tell terrifying. Terrifying, <laughs> but the, just the, the whole way it was, just everything about it was so gripping uh, that, yeah. that we binged it in like a couple of days, I think. Um, and it's brilliant. It's always good, you know, get someone who's actually really scared of horror films to actually sit down and watch one is always good fun, isn't it? Especially
1: and I think that, if I think it's seven hours long—that's quite an impressive achievement. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I think in terms of horror.
3: It's weird because it's it's creepy she couldn't watch Hill House even though she could appreciate it, it was good. it was too scary she couldn't make it through that because it was going to give her nightmares but this it is yeah scary. Yeah, it is. yeah yeah and the, and this i mean i I guess unless you're thirteen years old you're not really bothered about watching things because they're scary or they've got lots of blood in them or whatever but this on a, this was creepy but was more was it was it was more a really good drama that had horror elements in it wasn't yeah. it because yeah I'm, and i say yeah. horror elements and we're, maybe we're just getting used to it but the whole episode six was full on
1: <laughs> well when <laughs> i when i watched episode six i i had misunderstood i thought it was a six-part series so i thought this was the climactic episode <laughs> oh, that was it and right it felt like that and then when it went mm. off and i thought uh, the, the show the story's clearly not over it's like oh, okay that's another <laughs> yeah. episode fine um, yeah,
3: I've I've taken to really checking how many episodes are in things now because this yeah, this I new do. world we're in, <laughs> we're six, six or eight and it being an even number and actually the amount of times they're not anymore. So you really yeah. have because I like to know if I'm watching the last episode. <laughs> yeah, I'm me too. Anymore. I need to know because otherwise oh, you're oh, like, oh, oh <laughs> yeah, or if you go, What's the last episode.
2: Oh shit. Yeah. What am I going to do now? All right,
3: probably go to bed. Certain ways of wanting to (laughs) approach the last episode, aren't there? If Mm. you're into something,
2: but yeah, yeah, with
1: chocolate and and a drink of something pleasant. Yeah, it's my way. Put the feet up.
3: But yeah, but I mean, the the, the, a that episode six was just, just. I mean, it's. I mean, it really is apocalyptic. There's no other way around it, isn't it? And I I just kept going. Oh my God, they're going there. They're literally killing everybody. This is doing brilliant, it. doing it killing well, everybody That um, tone
1: continues into the last episode You know, they literally burn down Every building on the island, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's incredible But, you know, that um, Speaks to the fear I had That, oh, this is going to turn into schlock at some point And it never does, although What happens Kind of could be but just the way it's written and performed, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it maintains the kind of humanity of it um, yeah, and, and and the, what's the word, the kind of composure of it mm. um, straight to the end. Um, well, it's,
3: it's got, I mean, obviously it's got, we've mentioned Stephen King already, but obviously it's Salem's Lot is very much in its DNA in terms of the vampire mm-hmm. element. And a vampire element in a sort of done in a sort of naturalistic way. Um, yes, yeah. and it's got um, so it's got that sort of element to it. It's a monster. It's not even like a vampire that doesn't look like a monster, but it still somehow is naturalistic, isn't it? I love the design of the creature. The yeah, angel, it.
1: it the angels It's they call a it. brilliant. It's an angel, creature. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a minute, then. Um, yeah. In a way, I I, I have questions about that. I thought it was brilliant, I thought it was both frightening, you know, as a vampire monster and credible Mm -hmm. as an angel figure, Mm -hmm. and um, the way Father Paul uh, kind of describes it as an angel and talks about how everybody who meets an angel is terrified, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that did chime with me and, and made me ask the question, is this series saying that angels were always real but they were always vampires, so and therefore you know is it just uh is it turning that on its head um i don't, I don't no. think it I don't think
3: it, says, I don't think it ever says i don't think it ever says anything so clear anyway about religion no. or life after yeah. or anything i think it's cle- more clever than that mm. but i think i think it's just sort of saying people are so sure about their beliefs that that what they think that you know he 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 believes in angels. He sees something that's so obviously to us isn't an angel that he still sees an angel. He's mm-hmm. the reason. I mean, this is the conceit of thing. Somehow he's not heard of vampires,
1: like us.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um,
3: he somehow
1: yes. hasn't worked out. It's a
3: fucking vampire. That's
1: that's but, a convention in vampire yeah, stories, isn't it? it is, Often yeah. you have, you have to set yeah. them in yeah. a universe where vampires aren't a popular yeah. trope. And, and obviously, yeah. I can,
2: Zombies yeah, too. Yeah, and I can
1: forgive that. Um, but it's also, um,
3: it's brilliantly done that he just sees everything as good. He sees mm-hmm. everything as God speaking to him. And I mean, in a way, I don't think anyone who's religious would find this an anti-religious film. I don't uh, think so. Series, um Because I think one of the things the Bible's always going on about is beware false prophets and uh, all the rest of it, um, mm. you know so this 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 thing is has seduced him like Satan seduces people in the yeah. Bible, so you know that I'm was just... makes, seduces people in the Garden of Eden, so it's it's but just just in a sort of horror, I just love the design the way it's a sort of it feels like an ancient ancient yeah. ancient thing that it... has been on the desert for three thousand years or whatever
1: and it's fantastic that it remains unknowable mm. but also tangible and defeatable you know that it's clearly very difficult to kill but at the end when well,
3: they um, never, they don't kill it
1: yeah so. but but when it when its wings have been um you know kind of lacerated at the end and yeah. um, the kid observes you know he won't be able to fly very far with those wings mm-hmm. and you, you, that seems like a very credible observation you know it, it, it's 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 not an invulnerable creature but at the same time You know, you can't... uh, They're not going to be able to kill it, but they they might be able to slow it so it can't get away from the sun kind of thing. And you don't even see Mm. that either. You're kind of left to to infer that that's what happens to it. It It's kind of great. But the creature is the site of the one thing which I thought was maybe a flaw. I'd like to know what you all think. Because um, the creature obviously never speaks, and the ambiguity of it kind of serves the narrative. But at points, I thought, is it ambiguous in a kind of contradictory way? Like, it seems to be deliberately, uh, like you said, Ian, seducing him with what he wants to see. So, like, when it appears Mm. in church and is wearing the surplus and, and kind of behaving like an angel. But at other points, it does things like, when it's drinking blood, it seems he hardly even aware that there are any other people around and they can kind mm. of shoot yeah. it It hardly notices. So is it a mindless creature or is it, um, you know, a calculating or, or, creature?
3: Or, or, what, what I've got in this interview with Flanagan is that one of the things they do is it never says any of its own lines. So in a way it's not seducing them. It hmm. only mimics, and that was very deliberate. So it only mimics what other people do. So it's, um, What's the I love the idea that this thing wouldn't have even have anything new to say to anyone and all it could really do was regurgitate what they already had, which makes it even sadder for Father Paul and Bev. So it's literally that it's basically just going, I'm just saying stuff back to you and you and their own prejudices, their own preconceptions, uh, their own beliefs are all it needs. Which is you know, which I mean I couldn't help thinking And he never mentions this, but I couldn't help thinking the fact that this was made during a time when, you know, more than half of the United States had been seduced by Donald Trump. Um, Right. So, so, you know, so to me, you know, he just said, you know, he just says nonsense and says nonsense back to them. And they all believe what they want to believe. They, they, They explain away the stuff they don't. They hand wave. Everything that doesn't really make sense, and they just put stuff onto him that is nothing to do with him, and he doesn't even say it himself. You know, when it's the Q and On stuff, he's not really heard of it, <laughs> kind of thing. Or well, he has now, but he, but he's very much. He wasn't like actively going. Right, I'm going to do Q and on and I'm going to get everyone to believe this, and I'm going to get everyone to believe that. He literally was just a blank sheet of paper that everyone wrote their own, their own dark dreams onto. And this is sort of similar idea. And as a sort of you know, so it's not criticizing religion, but I think it's criticizing uh it's it's criticizing or it's making us aware that um our, our firmly held beliefs can take us to dark places. Mm. Um I think um, that's fair
1: enough. Yeah, I mean that that sounds interesting. I mean, I I think this series um Definitely invites rewatching. I know some of you've seen it twice mm-hmm. anyway. I'd certainly watch it again, and I'd kind of be oh, looking definitely. out for for those things. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's there there are things that I missed that kind of smooth those questions out anyway. Um, but it was just you know I, that... I hadn't really
3: realised about the mimicking things till I read this thing because if right. you actually look, then you go back and look at it and you go, oh yeah, he just says when when the when the one of the minor characters goes in. And sort of sees him in that abandoned house, and he just says it back to him. Right. Um, so it's just it's it's almost like it is like almost like an animal. It just appears. Humans tend to go, oh, cool. I'm a. Uh, i am i believe I believe you are what I want to believe. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so I don't think it's actually actively done very much to uh, get taken to its food source. Right. Okay. I think it's just sort of gone along with what um, what the priest has done, and the priest has packed him in a box <laughs> and taken him to an island full of food. Right. Um, well, we all get. Yeah, home. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, but uh, another thing was it was always that it, it, one of the things was it it was always that it shouldn't it shouldn't die because that threat is always present in wherever there are humans. Um, like like you said it's it's going to land somewhere um, yeah. and the whole thing will probably start up again kind of thing which I don't think it means there's going to be a sequel because we've done it Lord no, its yeah. themes, but that was just the whole the whole not killing it but really damaging it is you know like whether it's fascism or religious fundamentalism or whatever you happen to not be against that evil always never quite goes away because that's what humans are um so that, that's how i saw it um that that you know that thing flapping away injured but not dead yeah, is, yeah. you know is you could you could sort of lay that analogy as an, an analogy over many things whether that's okay we do to fascism in world war Two, and and then it's you know it's still it's still there as a little rot <laughs> um it's, it's still it's still present and it could uh, it could still take over again, um, but that's just because I was, you know, I'm personally preoccupied with that, that side of things.
1: That was on your mind, Ian? Yeah, yeah.
3: I suppose, especially when it was, you know, it was you know this was built, this was done during COVID when Trump was, you know, Trump was Trump was in, in power. The actual unthinkable had happened. <laughs> <laughs> and, I think it's on my mind again because I just listened to a brilliant interview with uh, Hillary Clinton and I've just had the full horror of the fact that that man won Um, back in my head. Um, not, Not horror adjacent, technically, although Trump is obviously horror adjacent. (laughs) <laughs> I'd recommend listening to the podcast with, uh, Al- Alistair Campbell and Rory Stewart interviewing Hillary Clinton
1: oh and the rest of po- is politics ok I must politics, have missed yeah. that
3: episode. when it's not the rest is politics it's their, um, their offshoot called Leaders which is out on oh. a Monday but you All should right. go in and find that on your find that on your uh, podcast provider
1: well we will put a link in the show notes i yeah. I, I want to just mention now um seeing as estella had the moment to revel in her personal connection with this <laughs> um i should talk about how it spoke to my catholicism um so for a start i've been to quite a lot of midnight masses in my life um, <laughs> but i did not go to one this year on christmas day um instead I went home and I watched Midnight Mass on TV <laughs> at midnight. That's the same, <laughs> um, which which might have been unproductive. And then it turned out I was, I was almost disappointed that actually the series has nothing to do with Christmas because Midnight Masses are always Christmas, as far as I'm concerned. It's Christmas, but isn't it? you know, yeah. Um, but for for necessary reasons in the plot we have a midnight mass happening at Easter time in the series. So that that does all make sense. Um, back in the day when I had more religious faith than I do now, Easter used to be my favourite time of year because of the sun and because you, as a Catholic you go to church nearly every day um, and the sense of community and things unfortunately it doesn't quite is i'm not i'm no longer in that place um but this series even um through its portrayal of catholicism it it kind of touched on my personal journey in a really nice way i love the details um as ian um said you know it's clearly very personal for flanagan and i think um he's clearly using details from his own life in terms of the religiosity. Um, and I really appreciated things like um, the references to the, uh, the previous translation of the Bible, you know, Henry Thomas's character says to father Paul, Oh, thank you for using the uh, the previous translation. We haven't heard that for years. Um, mm-hmm. And funnily enough, um, The timing of the previous translation which came in in 2011 was kind of when my faith started wobbling. And um, I I was already not really getting what I used to do out out of uh, being a Roman Catholic. And then suddenly they changed all the scripture in a really annoying way. They changed like every line by about three words. So if, if you learned it all your life and been saying mm-hmm. it you suddenly couldn't join in it was really irritating
3: i've found that with my my son goes to a christian school cv e school and i was i was brought a methodist i wasn't i was packed off to methodist sunday school so my parents could shag um Sunday, <laughs> as, as we've had the King <laughs> since. so they weren't religious but they packed me off for the free child care um, <laughs> right. gave well, me right. a good inoculation <laughs> of religion because i remember just going it's bollocks this isn't it? Um, but anyway, but um, but so I've but in the same way I've had I've had our Father who art in heaven and all that the Lord's prayer I've, I've said it over and over again in my life and then they say it in a weird different way about the, the these and those and stuff.
1: Yeah,
3: it's horrible. It's, so oh. I'm there in ch- I'm there in church first time in ages and I can't even do the bloody Lord's prayer anymore.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I only just realised today when thinking <laughs> about it, even that point it's a really nice piece of writing because uh what is father paul's real age he looks like a young man but he's in his 80s or his 90s Mm. and when Mm. uh, uh, and when he's younger he starts reverting to what he used to say in church 10 15 years ago yeah uh, yeah. you know when his mind was fresher so it's just like it's it's a really subtle first hint Whereas they play it as like, oh, I just thought I'd I'd use the old translation because yeah, the larks or oh, whatever. It's nice. but, um, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Do you find that you're same with me as well? Because you know, it's Catholic upbringing, you know, there's, there's lots of things that are recognisable. Oh yeah, that that didn't necessarily didn't necessarily make it scary because it's you know, it's I think it's emotional and moving and lots of other things as aside from scary there was just lots of it that I was like, oh, yeah, I remember that. And, oh, yeah, and loads of things that sort of chimed well with me because of experience of going to lots and lots of Catholic masses. So when they tell Father Pruitt's story through the medium of the the wooden carvings of signs of the cross that you have oh, yeah, in most yeah. churches, and they tell this story through that, I was like, oh, oh, that's uh, yeah. the stations of the cross, that's it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's quite nice. Yeah. You know, because it, it's just that, uh, yeah, and I wonder if... If you'd never, you know, got friends who had not brought up with, with any religious thing, never been to church apart from maybe when somebody's died, mm-hmm. you know, they wouldn't recognise using those carvings as a way of telling story that, that you did every year. You went to church, didn't you, and went round and did the thing yes, yes, I didn't. I, yeah, it's so, interesting to yeah, see so I that, didn't, I didn't if, that when you
3: used to do it. But it's still effective even if you – because yeah. I didn't have knowledge sure until you Yeah, it still works. It's still beautiful. But yeah, yeah. So there's yeah. so many different – I mean, it's it is like, a, oh, it yeah, is I a really – <laughs> really dense piece of work isn't it
2: yeah i mean yeah. Kirsty, what's your favorite bit i need to know
4: <laughs> gosh i don't know um i mean it's oh yeah i mean i i, I thought the there's the, the one thing that sticks out for me is the scene with um the priest and riley when they're in the church together alone and it's i think it's the first time in 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 the show that I sort of consciously, kind of recognise the sort of dialogueness of it, the sort of you know the theatrical, you know that mm. so often the film is not film, so often the TV show is is you know one person monologuing, um, yeah. and that becomes a sort of distinctive feature about it, which you know for television often seems you know quite brave, particularly in the sort of contemporary. Yeah setting where we're all like oh look at how cinematic tv is now like it, it's not you know <laughs> so that just that kind of happy, <laughs> you know that the confidence that Flanagan has of going now i'm just gonna you know i'm really gonna anchor this in you know i think this it's a really distinctive and effective device for allowing us to get to know all these characters is that so many of them have these you know prolonged sort of features where they're not moving around in a big theatrical way it's just being you know, like they're always mm. just you know still I'm talking about it. so like Riley's last scene kind of goes into that, isn't it? He's, you know, sort of yeah. reflecting on what he's gonna do and, you know, um, I was gonna call her Nell, not Nell. <laughs> um yeah, I really I gets the same, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, so that and also I think the other it's not a moment, but the whole like the sheriff's sort of journey I thought was really um good and interesting That's a, in a the fantastic. fact that, you know
1: Yeah. That yeah,
4: scene
1: obviously... where he describes his motivation is fantastic. So, so, yeah. Sorry to yeah. interject, yeah. Kirsty. Please no, continue. No,
4: no. Yeah. No, I just and but I just really like the kind of and I mean I know that it'll probably, be, probably been criticized for being too woke, but I liked the having a kind of Muslim character um, oh, yeah. on the outside of the community as you know you would expect. Um, but I also like the fact that you know you could sort of see him. As an outsider watching and seeing what was coming and sort of you know the inevitability mm. of the kind of indoctrination, the destruction of the community, um, and being powerless, it was really heartbreaking. Particularly, obviously, the relationship yeah. with his son. Um, yeah. Yeah. Particularly
2: in the church when the the son runs forward, yeah. doesn't he's like, "I'll drink it," and then that's when he pulls it pulls yeah, his yeah, gun
4: out. Yeah, no, it was really yeah. horrible. But you were talking before about the kind of you know the kind of angels and 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 vampires and stuff, and one of the things so, I was thinking, but you're all so deep in it there is you know and when he was sort of talking about trump as well is that that you know for what it sort of speaks to me about is you know there's there's some bit of theory and i i forget who the who the scholar was who, who talked about this but that you know kind of vampire narratives are often popular in ages where there's sort of you know financial instability um, you know, there was a the metaphor for, you know, the kind of 1% us. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um,
4: and I was watching, it the, kind of it was interesting because there there's a Netflix series, but well, I think it's called Child by Media, which is a true crime, but focusing on the.
2: Oh, yeah, that's great. But
4: there was the one, the episode I was watching yesterday was about, you know, kind of how a really rich person kind of, you know, was part of their defense was the fact that they'd suddenly become kind of evangelical and become part of the kind of Christian community. Um, and that sort of idea of, you know, kind of the vampires as being kind of Trump-like characters. No, they're not like that, but, you know, sort of, you know, using the rhetoric of um, of faith in order to, you know, mm. kind of, uh, you know, essentially kind of get people to sign up for their own demise, which, you know, kind of politically yeah.
2: mm-hmm. is, you know, and socially. It's that blind yeah, faith, it isn't is, it, it, that you just follow yeah, no matter yeah. what and, you know, look at... Like, you know the storming of the capital yeah, yeah. building it was like if any of you guys actually stop to think about what yeah, you're doing yeah. or you're just charging up yeah, those yeah. steps yeah yeah um, it's like very blinkered yeah vision.
4: and obviously is it is it oh, i say bev but it's not bev is it what's the character name of the, the kind of the zealous woman. Um, that is Bev. Uh, yeah. no, that is Beth. It is our Bev. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it does seem like such a <laughs> northern name that it could
1: <laughs> Yeah, which I appreciated as well. Bev.
2: <laughs> she's got a fag on all the time. But, you know, and,
4: and it's me, you know, kind of the, the, the angel vampire is one thing and the kind of the priest who is, you know, kind of being rejuvenated is another thing, but she's the fucking scariest. You know, it's that.
2: Yeah, she's yeah, terrifying. Yeah, yeah, because she's, she's real.
3: She's, yeah. she's, one she's favorite, real. <laughs> one of my, I mean, I love it all, but one of my favourite moments is her ending.
4: Yeah.
3: yeah. Just, oh, and she's, she's scrambling in the, the sand, and it's like, and faith. now
2: when you're up against it, now you're she's frightened. The one who you doesn't mad have, old bag. Yeah, she's the one who doesn't <laughs> actually have
3: proper faith. It was all Yes,
2: yeah, at the end she loses it. Because if you really believed, you old bitch, then you'd be off to heaven, yeah. right? But no, you'd scrambling yeah. around in the yeah. sand. Yeah. People, who, Even people who believe
3: in heaven don't want to go there early.
4: No.
1: So, nope. Wow, that, that's nope. a telling quote, <laughs> blimey. Yeah, hot <laughs> take. <laughs> you should write that down. Wow. No, no, I,
3: I no, no, I can't remember who said it, but it's uh it was somebody. It's not
1: right. You know. Yeah. That's brilliant. You somebody said it with comic.
2: those <laughs> with those monologues I, I f- it was with them um, hill house that i was looking at interviews with mike flanagan about letting the actors do their monologue and i'm pretty sure i mentioned it when we did our episode on hill house and flanagan said something like and it's it's also in my book um in an interview when people were asking him about the monologues and his reason for that and he said well i just really like the idea of letting actors act mm-hmm and not Mm. doing, like Kirsty said, having all of the bells and whistles going on around them, because there's scenes where that's happening, there's incredible acting and Mm -hmm. all of the bells and whistles and the beautiful stuff that's going on, but sometimes when you've just got a person in a room with another person, and um, I think in in Hill House is the one where their their groundskeeper, he tells the story of why his mother or wife or whoever can't go in the house anymore, and the camera just does a slow... Pant, pull in on him through the whole monologue, and you occasionally hear um, Crane behind the camera going, uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like encouraging him to keep yeah. talking. And the same thing's happening throughout this. And I'll, you also have Flanagan loves a long, continuous tracking shot, doesn't Golly. he? So we have it on the beach in episode mm. one with the dead yeah. cats. And we have people walking up and down the beach and there's various conversations and people are coming in, out, in and out of conversations with other actors and there's no cuts, just like we have in the Two Storms episode of Hill House. And it's, you know, signature, it's things that he likes to do, but they're just so, like I said, they're so restrained and so composed. Yeah. And it is a brave move. It is a bold move for TV. Mm you know and it's why it works on Netflix it's not it's not going to be on somewhere with adverts because you can't chop that up and it's just it's just amazing
3: <laughs> i had a few yeah i think it's brilliant but i had a few writer friends who just automatically went oh god the self indulgence of having a really long and it's mm-hmm. like it's
2: i saw all... that across social media and it's like no it's lovely <laughs> let them breathe
3: yeah yeah and i thought it's, i thought it's brilliant and bold i mean the the bit i i sort of liked anyway but then reading about it the way they filmed the AA scenes, um, yeah, that was they literally yeah. found a way to just. They might not have, they might not have been shown as one continuous shot, but they filmed them, yeah, as a piece of theatre. They made a, right. made so the yeah. actors just kept going for hours, right, for a long time doing these scenes without a break, and yeah. and they they found a way to sort of shoot almost in the old TV style, so the cameras weren't in shot. Yeah. The actors didn't have to stop. They, they just did. They yeah, just did and the and whole did scene it. from beginning to end, um, yeah. and and that really comes across. That the the, the yeah, just I mean, man, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? he does. <laughs> to to he be really too but yeah, just, just I mean, you can see why <laughs> actors love him. It's, oh yeah, yeah. They get to they get to yeah. they get to do you know they get to do they don't just go oh here's a here's a bunch of scenes and they're each one's like four lines long and then cut. Which yeah. obviously is a perfectly valid way to write, but his mm. way of writing is—I mean, he, he's, we're back to Stephen King again. But he's novelistic. He's—he's mm.
4: yeah. he's,
3: mm. he's like it's like he's adapted a book that doesn't exist, although from what yeah. I, it probably doesn't Do you, exist in some manuscript. <laughs> but uh yeah.
4: um, it's when I spent the first sort of twenty minutes of the first episode going, "Is this a Stephen King adaptation?" <laughs> Yeah,
3: yeah. But I'm not aware of because it just yeah. it has, you know,
4: you're talking about the kind of aesthetics of it and the kind of you
3: know, yeah, natural, well I mean but just yeah.
4: the the whole thing just feels very like from well, the pages. It's
3: very pages. it's almost yeah. folk horror as well in the yeah. sense in the sense that folk horror mm-hmm. is about small communities and religion. Yeah,
4: and yeah.
3: Then it's kind of folk horror. Yeah. Um and it has deliberately has you know, all the characters are seen through the prism of belief, whether they're yeah. Muslim, atheist or yeah. Catholic or whatever, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's weird for me because, because um, you know, I've been I've, I've adapted Ramsey Campbell's *Hungry Moon*, which is like a, which is a night, which, which was the. I mean, I got that book when I was twelve, um, and it's got a quote from someone called Stephen King on the back, which is how I started reading Stephen King after reading Ramsey Campbell because Stephen King loves Ramsey Campbell, uh, Liverpool-based, now in his seventies. But it's weird because that is all about those, Mike Flanagan's just the latest in a series of this sort of thing where, and he's brilliant at it, but Stephen King has it. This book, The Hungry Moon, is, I I, I made the switch to make it, a, you know, set around a Catholic community because it's in the Peak District, which is very Catholic, weirdly. There's lots of... For the communities yeah. in the Peter Street. So I made that change. And I wrote it before <laughs> Midnight Massacre came out. But the similarities, it's basically it's basically a demon coming down and the evangelical Christians that come over from America that start taking over the thing have actually been infected by the demon. And it's weird how the, uh, it's weird how the gun's mm-hmm. in it, in fact. So it's weird how the. Uh, I was going to say that. Yeah, yeah, so, so yeah, so Dan, Dan's in it, in fact. So yeah, so, Clank. so, it's, so it's weird how the uh, it's, it's, it's it's weird how it's weird how it's it's it's, a, it's very much a sort of tradition that he's that he's part of this tradition. And mm. like we said, we've got Carrie's mum, we've got we've got the um, the woman in.
2: Oh God, Carrie's mum and Bev, get them too. Yeah, yeah. The... Well,
3: I'm yeah. just saying it's oh, yeah. Wow. And, there's, and, there's, and, there's, and there's a, and there's, a <laughs> there's a very similar character in *Hungry Moon*, which. We've got Louise Jamieson off of Doctor Who playing, um, but I've actually softened her, and I've softened her because I was kind of aware that that someone being evil and judgmental, and then turning out to be even evil and, evil and judgmental, maybe had been done a f- quite a few times. Yeah. So, uh, so <laughs> and if anything, that's like the most obvious thing in this is Bev. She's mean and horrible, and she carries on being mean and horrible. And, and and we've and we've seen and we've seen that character there. loads and loads <laughs> of times. So if anything, I'd say even though I loved her death and everything, um, and I'm only picking holes here because I, I absolutely love it, but I'd say maybe that's the, maybe that character's the weakest point because she is exactly what you think she is. Yeah,
4: but, that, but she's so Can, real, in that you know we we spend our lives on social media with people who seem to be exactly what she is.
2: Yeah, yeah well yeah that's what i said before she's yeah, real she's the yeah, one that's actually yeah, yeah. scary because she's out yeah. there so yeah, yeah can we talk about then how sad the end is oh well, it's, not,
3: it's not sad not everyone so dies. i've
2: watched it i know but i've watched it through <laughs> twice and both times when they when riley's mum and dad they start to sing yeah. and everyone starts joining in both times that i've watched it i've had to stop it and then watch those last six minutes the next day, she's like, oh. Oh, <laughs> "Can't do it no, twice. Can't both times." You really
3: feel like this is this is it taps into so many it's fears. I, so I guess the fear, the fear of nuclear holocaust is there, It's all there. It yeah. is apocalypse. It is oh shit, oh shit. Like it reminds me of threads. Oh shit, it yeah. they've actually done it. They've actually done it, and <laughs> yeah. I guess that along yeah. with Trump is very in the air at the moment as well. It's they've actually done it. <laughs> Yeah. We've just had to... Eat.
2: So did no one else cry at the end? Oh, no, Oh, that's yeah. all right. <laughs> I just wanted to uh, check. Really the same with Hill now. House. That had me balling all I the way through. Know. Various different episodes made mm. me cry. And save so, with this one, those different episodes made me cry. And Flanagan just manages to, for me, to to do the horror mm. thing yeah. and to do the drama thing, but also to do the... to. I, w- I wouldn't say melodrama, so I don't think it is, but to do the... You know, I'm crying again. I had my jaw on the yeah. floor. mean, you
3: know, I was just like oh my god he's really doing
2: when the singing really
3: stops, doing, stops yeah he's comes really up. doing it like, oh, he's wiping out community. <laughs> and then i mean it says a lot that you know the fact that i mean i think we said this in an email exchange didn't we that i can't feel my legs becomes a happy line
1: yeah no gee
3: <laughs>
2: oh my god. <laughs> Don't say it. I can't feel my legs and we all go,
3: Yay, she's a little vampire. Yay! She's just she's just a
1: wheelchair user again. Brilliant. <laughs> well, you know what? That's what I'm not interpreted <laughs> it as happy actually, but of course, yeah. No, it, it is. Really it, means it means she's it means she's yeah, yeah. two She'll of them are returning. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. 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 She's she, she's gonna go on and mm. uh and the sequel will be the two of them going to find out where that <laughs> oh god flying critter
1: landed <laughs> if only there were still direct to video movies you know that yes. would be a per- perfect streamer yeah. equivalent just, yeah midnight mass 2. Could, could happen um yeah all right guys drink the Kool-Aid. It, this has been wonderful we've got a few <laughs> minutes left are there any do Play-Bour we right. have any final thoughts that we'd like about this movie i think we might just have had yours stella because that was kind of pretty final. It's
2: too sad. Um,
1: Don't cry. I have to say, I didn't cry, but only because I'm I'm weird. You're
2: dead inside. In
3: a long time, I wanted to really (laughs) urge people to watch.
1: Like I hadn't, I felt like I hadn't urged people to, like, you've got to watch that. I, I have um, to say, yeah, I was we should, saying, we should say, everyone, Ian, that the, the only reason we're doing this podcast is because you urged me to watch it and I wouldn't have done it without what you said. So, yeah, you know, yeah. Ho- hopefully, it was,
3: it was quite hard to tell people you've got to watch this and then you'd go, I can't really tell you why. <laughs> yes. And I know you <laughs> like, <laughs> but I can't say. But it's like, yeah. cause some, I, I saw somebody like. tell a friend of mine who loves horror, who's a massive Salem's Lot fan just say you've got to watch Midnight Mass and he was just like he's just like no it doesn't it looks shit it's on Netflix I don't really like that kind of thing he's like old school they went, yeah but you love Salem's Lot and I was just like what <laughs> so then he went <laughs> yeah. and watched it because he knew it was about vampires but it's like he'll never know what it was like to go in yeah not knowing
1: because that yeah. is a huge spoiler isn't it because you don't know yeah, yeah. It's probably four episodes in that there's a vampire in it that's yeah. where we are. Yeah,
3: yeah yeah and it and it it can never yeah. sort of, end, it should never end up on lists of best vampire things ever because it's spoiling it for people who haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so it's. A, I'm gonna go and watch it yeah, again. Yeah, no, it is brilliant. No, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it with my, I'm t- it t- with <laughs> my kids because they're just getting into. I'm, I'm having an amazing rewatch. Should we please tell her of Walking Dead? I haven't watched. I haven't watched Walking oh, Dead. Yay. I think I've watched every episode of Walking Dead just once, but I haven't missed one. But I don't think I've ever had a rewatch. And I just...
2: Yeah, I'm watching it yeah, with the as well.
3: And I just... My um my son is binging it on his mobile. But when he's at right. mine, we've been watching it on our actual TV. Uh, and we got through all the best bits of like, of season two. So I was there when he got to see what hap- What comes out of the barn. It's <gasps> like one of the yeah. best bits in oh. early Walking <sighs> Dead, which we won't spoil for Dan because yeah. you haven't bothered watching it yet. Yeah. And... No,
1: I have seen that far. I've not seen that Oh, you one. have seen that but far. I... Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah, the first yeah. five seasons.
3: Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But so anyway... we're
1: going we're to have to wrap up in a sec. Kirsty, I think you're, you're the only one who didn't throw in a final thought. Um, um, are you, are <laughs> think, you good?
4: Yeah, yeah no, no, I'm good. I just, I think that, you know, Havish, Linklater is my final thought. <laughs> uh,
2: oh, yeah, Raoul's probably my <laughs> final thought.
1: <laughs> okay, I'll throw Ryan, in a different a different but equally brief final thought it's nice when you watch something and it teaches you something you didn't know we talked about how you know coming from Catholic backgrounds we we knew a lot Stella and I kind of recognised a lot in this but I did not know the word chesable which is what they call the priest frock we call it a surplus I don't know where they got that Uh, word from but um uh, uh, chesable I don't know that didn't stick in my head Guess, well, no. maybe because all the other details were so recognisable to me, that one just leapt out. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, again, it's it shows, you know, the sight of meaning and all that because I'm not Catholic and I didn't know much, but just seeing characters talking about why you're wearing the gold one instead of the green one. Yeah, yeah. You kind of pick up mm. what's going on. And, yeah. and in your head, yeah. you, you pro- you, you're not going, you know, you're going, I hope he's not making this up. <laughs> 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 I hope this isn't actually bollocks. Oh, the Catholics are going, What is this shit? The
1: Catholics
3: have come <laughs> for you. So I'm assu- I assume that's all correct.
1: What's amazing is that it does seem to be correct and also, you know, really well in service to the story. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah,
3: yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Maybe in a couple of years, when I've watched it again, we'll, we'll do another episode and the, you guys will probably see me three more times by then. We can have even more thoughts. <laughs> yeah, probably. it's amazing. Uh, okay, everybody, we'll wrap up now then, and um, thank you so much.
2: Can we have a round of applause for managing still? Oh, wow. yeah,
1: we've done it. We've got the, the, world. end. the world's nine. <laughs> we haven't. We haven't
3: actually checked yet that the, uh, all the recordings have. <laughs> <laughs> so no, yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yes, <laughs> it could still all go wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's end I it
1: before something legs. happens. <laughs> 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 thank you so much, everybody
0: you have been listening to and now the podcast starts produced and released by ambidextrous solutions limited presented by kirsty warrow td velasquez ian winterton and stella gaynor special thanks to greg hume for our original theme music and to brian gorman for our original artwork All dialogue and music clips from films, TV shows, and trailers are used for the purposes of criticism in the spirit of fair dealing as defined in UK law and fair use as defined in US law. No copyright infringement is intended. Please visit our home on the web, www.andnowpodcast.com for more content and contact details. Or visit our Facebook pages, at andnowpod or at Lee Cushing Pod. Follow us on Twitter, at and now Podcast or at Lee Cushing Podcast. If you'd like to donate to us, please visit patreon.com forward slash AndNowPodcast. And now, the podcast stops.